we're the muscle boys. The, the sci-fi, the sci-fi muscly sci-fi. boys. Oh, I need to put on some real muscle. Gotta hit the gym. <laughs> Be a muscle boy. Sci-fi beach boys. <laughs> We're gonna release a new album here. An all-cover album. Beach boy songs. Oh. It calls sci-fi sounds. With the... <laughs> Colin sounds. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah, I was just about yeah. to say... <laughs> Let's uh let's let's see what's uh see what's on there. Let's see what's on pet sounds. If Collins wearing a tank top, uh you owe me one hundred dollars. Uh well, does that mean you owe me a hundred dollars if he's not? Uh no, that's not how that works. <laughs> oh right, yeah, that's not how bets work. That's that's it's fair it's not fair because I had like I had intel that he wasn't wearing damn. a tank top. Yeah. Damn, damn, damn. I knew it. Damn darn. Let's see. They got wouldn't it be wouldn't it be nice? I could make I let's see. We could make that a sci-fi. Yeah. Yeah, we're all tanky boys today. Um there's a song called Caroline No. Um, let's see. God Only Knows is off of Pet Sounds. We could do a cover of that. There you go. Uh-huh. Yes, sir, Rebab. We're talking about, uh, doing, doing an all sci-fi boys cover of, uh, the Beach Boys Pet Sounds. Okay. So we'll release that as a Patreon can exclusive. We make it, can we make it, can we put it in, like, a synth wave type? Vibe, yeah, I've been actually listening to a lot of synthwave the last couple days. Oh, like gunship, yeah, gunships, fucking gunships, yeah. Fucking dope synth. Oh my god! All right, um, I wish I had this. Like uh, that song that Sokol's nephew created. Jason, did you listen to it? No, no, I know what you're talking about though. I did see you posted it, but no, I didn't listen to it. It yet. was that—that's what put me in the mood. It was just straight like synth wave. Mm-hmm. I was like, "Nice, kid's got some skills." My um, oh, speaking of gunship, my uh, special edition of uh, the self-titled album finally shipped. Oh, very cool. Um, I can't wait for that. You got it on CD, right? <laughs> you, got it on, you got it on cassette. I got it on late. Actually, I did recently get um, some cassettes. Ter- they came with the records I bought. It's a terrible investment. They ca- it came with the yeah. record. It like, came with the record. Vinyl is a good investment. Cassettes is a terrible investment. Someone needs to tell the punks to stop. <laughs> Welcome back to Synthwave Cross Sections. It's your <laughs> Synthwave boy. <laughs> Jason, I mean, honestly, we could probably just review like synthwave albums on here. I, I literally want. I would. I would actually love to do we're, that. Uh, we're pivoting a little bit. Yeah, yeah, it's not that. Um, it's not that out of our wheelhouse. Synthwave yeah. is very sci-fi adjacent. Just go on there. Just be like, well, hey, so uh, sci-fi nation. Unfortunately, um, we've. <laughs> <laughs> unfortunately, we've we've covered all the sci-fi. There's no more sci-fi left to cover. We did all the. <laughs> Listen up, sci-fi nation. <laughs> <laughs> Listen up, sci-fi. I love sci-fi nation. <laughs> <laughs> that's the next T-shirt. Fuck the hyper- hypothetical T-shirt. Is sci-fi nation bright pink? Yeah, right after. Yeah, font. right after. It's okay to. Uh, it's okay to be sentimental. Yep. <laughs> With your face on hey it. Hey there, sci-fi nation. Design. Thanks for joining us. You might wonder mm-hmm. why we're not talking about science fiction tonight. Well, we, it's because we covered yeah. it all. Yeah, it's done. There's no I more just science fiction a, to cover. Uh, a new keyboard, so we were thinking about Ooh. making some uh, some synth for you guys. I recently saw the band The Midnight live, and they were really good. The Midnight. That, that, the Midnight. They're they're pretty they're pretty synth wave adjacent. Hell yeah, yeah. It's more. It, I think it's more synth pop than synth wave, but that's all okay. very yeah. good stuff. Yeah, yeah no. I think a funk would seem synth pop. If you like could. fucking songs that make you want to drive really fast after Dude, midnight, that fucking the song the weekend did. 
uh, Blinding Lights. Yeah. Yeah. That is fucking cool. That's, pro- that's yeah, the that's only song um, I, I like by that guy. Yeah. That's the only song I, I know think that's by the only that song guy. I know by him, to be honest. <laughs> I checked yeah. the album out because I was like, oh, if the album is all like this, it's probably going to be one of those bangers, and I can see why the guy's number one on Spotify or whatever. But, yep, uh, but it isn't. It's not. Actually, I heard that album was bad. Yeah. The, well, the rest of the album was very different from that. It wasn't like the, you know, do, 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 do. Right. The occasional beeps and boops. All right, boys. The weekend, everyone. Hey, hey, we got the weekend. Check it out, Sci-Fi Nation. We got the weekend on. Hey, everyone, it's the weekend. Sci-Fi Nation blows me away. Hey, Sci-Fi Nation, it's the weekend. How's everyone doing? I'm not doing well because it's a weekday, and that's not the weekend yet. Ask me again when it's the weekend. I've done a lot of coke. Oh goodness! Oh, I'm pretty God, sure that though. guy does a lot. Yeah, a lot of good. Probably, know. yeah. Welcome back to Sci-Fi Cross-Sections, a weekly podcast dedicated to everything science fiction. It's me, your sci-fi boy, Colin Brannon, and with me tonight is... Jason. Andrew's back from cryogenic stasis. Oh, he was cryogenically frozen. Wow, it was cold and in there. we brought him to the, for- the, the future by one week. Mm-hmm. He hasn't aged a week. It was really expensive. We probably shouldn't have done that. Welcome to 2022, oh, Miller. Only for the best for the sci-fi <laughs> Go back. Yeah. Our Patreon <laughs> coffers are empty. We, we spare no expense for, mm-hmm. for you guys. Mm-hmm. Um, so tonight, uh, we are talking about the Demolition Man. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Wait, was it the Demolition Man or was it Demolition, no, it's Demolition Man? Demolition I think Man. it's just Demolition Man. Oh, see, I didn't Man. watch the Demolition Man, so it might get yeah, a little right. awkward. So it's actually a documentary about the police. Mm-hmm. And not oh, about the band, the police. It's, yeah, that's what it, it, <laughs> no, it's um, about a documentary about a, a British wrecking ball operator uh, <laughs> on his last, his well, last so, month of employment uh, yeah, before he retires. Based around, based around him, yeah. They call me the demolition man. Yeah, but played by Sting. I've spent my entire life I'll, tearing I'll things down. London, in East London operator for about 30, 30 fucking years. I can't say fuck. Oh, no, oh I fuck. got the sack. They gave me the I sack. I spent my whole life tearing things down, but really now I think in my golden years I want to focus on building things up, you know? <laughs> I don't want to be focus. the demolition man no more. <laughs> no. <laughs> What's the opposite you know, of demolition? I once did build something in my life. I built a bridge right across the Thames. Right across it. When they say, what's your greatest accomplishment, I don't say it's tearing anything down. I say it's building my family. Got three mm-hmm. wonderful little kids that run around little whippersnappers. My wife, lover, Bridget, been together mm-hmm. for 35 years. Coming 2023. Yeah. They're going <laughs> to play the trailer before, uh, uh, before Avatar, The Way of Water. This is going right. to be the demolition, man. My favorite I, I'm, thing ex- was- I'm excited. I'm excited <laughs> for that. Yeah. But this isn't that Demolition Man, right, Colin? No. No. So we're doing the Demolition Man that was uh, directed by Marco Brambilla or Brambia, if you're educated. I don't know. He's Italian, so I think we're supposed to pronounce the L's, right? Gorlami. I don't know. Marco Brambilla, give me the salami, um, pizza. Um, Screenplay Mm -hmm. was by Daniel Waters, Robert Renault, Peter. M. Lenkov. Uh, those were three different rewrites, I'm pretty sure. Like th- Holy this, shit. This movie was rewritten like two or, two or three times yeah. for sure. Um, the story was originally by Peter M. Lenkov. Uh, it is starring Sylvester Stallone, Wesley Snipes, Sandra Bullock, Nigel Hawthorne. Uh, mm-hmm. I, th- I think there is a Dennis Leary somewhere in there. Dennis Leary, uh, yeah. Benj- a very young Benjamin Bratt. Mm-hmm. 
But Benjamin Brad had one of those faces where he just looked young, and then a day later he just looked old. Like he was young for his whole career, and then he started looking old. Yeah. Apparently, Jack Black's in this movie. Uh, yeah, he's he was one Wasteland of the scrap yeah. number two. Yeah, that's a hell of a credit. Yeah, um, Jesse Ventura was in it. Yeah, at the end. Yeah, um, but then that sums it up. Yep. That sums it up. Okay, so um, the budget for this film was uh, somewhere between forty-five and seventy-seven million. I love a big gap like that. The box office did really well. Uh, came out to about a hundred and sixty million dollars. Wow. So good for good for this film. Definitely was a, mm -hmm. a, a commercial success. I'm surprised we didn't yep. get Demolition Man three and four mm. and two. To be honest, yeah, yeah. Um, People love Sylvester Stallone. Before we uh, rip this film open and take a look at its cross sections, uh, how about I tell you boys what it's about? I want to hear about it. Okay. Innocent victims caught in the crossfire in Los Angeles' intensifying war on crime, both cop John Spartan and violent thug Simon Phoenix are sentenced to a state of frozen incarceration known as cryo-prison. When Spartan is finally thawed 36 years later, it's 2032, and Los Angeles is now a pacifist utopia called San Angeles. But with Phoenix again on the loose, Spartan must team up with a future cop, Lanina, to apprehend the killer. It's Demolition Man. It's the Demolition Man. Yeah. I, I love the Demolition Man. Mm -hmm. Obviously. Okay. So, um, <laughs> I, I could tell. Yeah. Um, Jesus. So I was, I was reading all about the, uh, the production of this movie. I still just, I can't believe this ever got made. Yeah. I don't know. Why's that? Because uh, none of the lead actors wanted to be in this. They had to beg them multiple times to get them in there. Oh. In fact, to get Wesley Snipes, he kept turning them down. They, like, physically went to a place where he was, like, filming something and begged him and tried to, to sell him on the uh, doing this film. They initially wanted um, other people, though. Uh, yeah, they wanted Jackie Chan. They wanted Jackie Chan for <laughs> yeah. Phoenix, but he said, uh, "You wouldn't play a villain." Yeah, you wouldn't. Do, you wouldn't do the the villain thing. Um, and then someone else was originally supposed to be uh, Spartan. I can't remember who it was. No, it wasn't Schwarzenegger. I don't think. That's just funny. They name dropped him. Oh yeah, and I think it's funny is they're talking about him running for office. He hadn't run for office at that point ninety three, right? I don't believe so. Nope. Man, they hit that one on the head. That was funny. Yeah. Oh, they wanted Steven Seagal. <laughs> Hell yeah, uh, to be the lead actor, and then yeah. Van Damme was going to be the part of the villain, but both of them turned it down. Uh, so there you have it. <clears throat> Anywho, um, yeah, Demolition Man, guys. Uh, this was the first feature film of uh, the. Italian director Marco Brambilla. Before this, he was just doing like uh, high-end commercials. Ooh, maybe that's why they were. Uh, maybe that's why they're obsessed with jingles. Probably has something to do with it. Yeah. Well, I just want to start out by saying that I thought Demolition Man had the largest intro text credit size of any movie i've ever seen in my life <laughs> i don't know if you guys concur with that but it had like the like uh early 90s like clip art style um like text for all the credits in the beginning and the one thing it just mm -hmm. got me is it's so big i don't know <laughs> if we won't really want to talk about the cross sections of that or what that means yeah, in was, context but blown away by the size was just of that the text. size but my goodness rewatch like it now big text before we've seen massive text before yeah you should do, do a rewatch just for that and i i think you're gonna be I blown away 
I'm I'm actually gonna look especially right if now. you do a side by side. It's just it's like I just remember there's a scene where like they're walking like the half naked Sylvester Stallone to the uh, uh, the cryo um, bathtub or whatever and uh, mm-hmm. the the cryo pit and um, it was yeah. just dis- distractingly mm-hmm. big. That is very large. It takes up the majority. <laughs> it's distractingly it's like shit. <laughs> it's like a. It's like you divide the screen into thirds, and it's taking up the entire middle third. Yeah, that was pretty funny. So damn. So yeah, I just wanted to bring that up. I feel like you know, um, before we really dive into the the heavy duty philosophical meat and potatoes behind Demolition Man, I just really wanted to bring up the size mm-hmm, of the text because mm-hmm. I feel like that. Uh, yeah. You know, it's kind of my lead in today. Um, I yeah. will say. <laughs> That I feel I was gonna say I feel like you're being a little facetious, but I feel like there's a, a largely political uh reading to this movie. He's winking, everybody, non-visual podcast, he's winking. Yeah, um no, I I will so I haven't watched Demolition Man in a very long time. And this was also one of those movies that I Me I just caught this on like TNT or whatever. So it was like most of the time I was seeing a chopped up version or whatever. So this is the first time I actually sat down to watch it. And uh, I was very interested to see, because I didn't really remember much about this movie at all, except for the fact that it was, you know, future and it was Wesley Snipes and Sandra Bullock and Sylvester Stallone, whatever. Um, Just how satirical this movie is. And the things that really struck me that I think they all warrant further dissection, but the satire, the tone being very kind of silly and not very, you know, uh, self, like self-serious, I guess you could say, yeah, in relation to a lot of these other types of movies from this era, late 80s, early 90s, kind of action, actioners, right? Uh, especially with the marquee star being Stallone, you know. Um, but then also, like, I don't know if it was like the editing or, or what it was, but there was a lot of, like, choppiness to the movie. And and I think some of it was intentional, but some of it maybe wasn't. So it's just kind of interesting there. But I was surprised, you know, in terms of like, I guess, the satire piece at how didn't always stick, but how effective the movie really was in um, kind of poking a lot at society in 1993. And, you know, of course, it's one of those movies, too, where it's like, oh yeah 30 years in the future and like we're damn near there right we're only like 10 years away from <laughs> where they were at so it's kind of funny to see where things uh I, like I, said, I think i always say that but i always love to see where movies go with that sort of future trope like what, what is people in the early 90s what did they think 2022 20, would look like or whatever right um so that was really interesting as well but uh yeah i didn't remember that i don't know if you guys did or if you'd seen it more recently than i had but I did not remember that the the film was that much of kind of leaning into that satire. Almost gave me, obviously not as extreme of a case, but almost gave me some like Paul Verhoeven vibes a little bit too with yeah. some of the some of the stuff yeah. that yeah, they were doing. I, I, so the original script, as it was written um, by Peter Lankov, was supposed to um, be just an action movie. All right, he was heavily inspired. Uh, by um, Lethal Weapon. That's why you see the Lethal Weapon 2 poster in Sandra Bullock's room and everything, or her office. And he just wanted to make like a cop film. Of course, he wanted to make it like sci-fi, and he was kind of exploring the whole cryogenically frozen thing because celebrities started expressing interest in wanting to be cryogenically frozen or something. It was the 90s. It was a weird time. Um, And, or 80s, whatever. But he... uh, so he wrote this and there was no humor whatsoever in it. Um, and obviously he ends up selling it to a studio. Um, and I, th- I think it's Daniel Waters takes over. He rewrites it and just loads the f- the shit out of this movie with satire. And everything has to be funny. Um, which I think is almost unfortunate. I th- I wouldn't want like a completely serious movie, but I, I feel like if they cut the funny out by like half this movie would have been a lot better that's just my take yeah i don't know it, it's very parody ish you know i mean it really is lampooning those you know super macho movies of the early 80s you know the, i guess the entire 80s you know i mean it, at one point you know 
Sandra Bullock even says to Rob Schneider, uh, who I'm sure we'll talk way too much about tonight. Um, she even <laughs> says to him, like, um, well, if you read my if you read my study, you would have known that this is how um, heterosexual insecure heterosexual men behaved uh, back then. And it just draws me back to um, that scene in, in Predator, the first one where uh, it's the beginning. Arnold says, uh, you know, you son of a bitch. It's like, well, yeah, they're, they're, you know, I think that's what it is, is it, it, it's referencing all of these, these 80s. It's tropey as um, Action movies. And I, I think having um, like Sylvester Stallone in, the, in that role kind of solidifies that it, that's what it is. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, there, there's there's a few I, I had written, didn't write them down. But yeah, I kept seeing various little nods to. uh, uh so exactly what you're talking about. They are making fun of um, almost the genre to a point. Mm -hmm. Well, it, it was interesting to me too. Like Stallone was it like in this role. Most of the Stallone stuff I've seen, you know, recently. I guess you could say like his his recent outputs, which I think the the quality varies drastically uh, in the last ten years. I'd say anything he's done, but then you know even the classics like. Not to say he can't play like funny or whatever, because uh, he certainly can. But most of his characters and most of the films he's in are, are kind of overtly like serious characters. And they're the macho guys mm -hmm. and they're, you know, the, the highly capable um, individual, right, in any sort of scenario. And it's not that it's any different in this case in terms of him being the hyper capable or, you know, the, the deadliest guy in the room or whatever. But it is kind of funny to see him actively like taking the piss out of a character that he's playing or portraying. Mm -hmm. I thought that yeah. was kind of interesting because there's several instances in the movie where he does just that. And it's like, you know, um, it, there's a lot of winking, you know, going on, like like winking to the camera, basically, like, oh yeah, hey, uh, this is this is funny, or see, we're making fun yeah. of this trope because we know it's a trope, but we're still gonna do it. <laughs> you know, the, the one-liners were like too obviously they're doing it just to have, make fun of the one-liners, like, uh, right, you're on TV, and he's like <laughs> swinging the TV. At him. There, was a, there was another one that was, you're gonna regret this for the rest of your life. Both seconds oh. of it. <laughs> yeah. That was also yeah, that was good. Really, that was good. really good. Yeah, that was that was pretty funny. So yeah, you know, um it, it's kinda interesting too because there it's just that like vacuum of those early nineties like action movies, right? Like I I had no idea this was nineteen ninety three. If you would have asked me, I would have thought like ninety five or what you know, because it's just yeah. kind of funny. It's like there's that period of of action films that I feel like were made in like the early 90s where uh, there's just so many of them. <laughs> it was like the, the prime era of that, you know, you had like the original Die Hard sequels. Yeah, like, you know, I think what Die Hard with a Vengeance was, but that was probably like 95 too, right? Wasn't it? I'm trying to think like that whole era between 1990 and. 1995 there were just tons of these movies so mm -hmm. it was kind of interesting with most of those being kind of grounded in uh reality i guess you could say or like a realistic scenario in our world that this is one of the the few that really kind of goes for it with a science fiction setting and uh i will say that there's obviously some kind of on the satire side some socio-political things that i think are are said but just in terms of the the premise or the conceit um what did you guys think in terms of the whole like like modern at least at that time hellscape and then the the whole idea of like the cryo prison because i feel like that's really the main sci-fi kind of concept at work here i'm glad you brought up the, the cryo prison thing because as i was sitting there watching it i, I was thinking um and it also kind of uh, had me thinking about uh, altered carbon in the same way where mm -hmm. It's this futuristic idea of prison. They they kept calling it rehabilitation, which I thought was hilarious. And these people are just cryogenically frozen. And they're not supposed to feel or think, allegedly. No. But they are the supposed to be they're they've they're supposed to be getting uh mentally conditioned while they're in there. Okay, so that that is the That's the rehabilitation. That's the rehabilitation. Okay. Yeah. Um because John John Spartan, uh, aka um the main character from Halo comes out sewing and uh, which, yeah, comes out sewing uh, versus um, <laughs> John Spartan. <laughs> yeah, yeah, 
um versus uh john halo. Was, right johnny <laughs> halo is that you um no versus uh you know wesley snipes character uh simon phoenix who his uh his whole thing was co-opted okay um see i i i guess this is if we're gonna look at like criminal justice system and like prison and rehabilitating someone um i think it kind of defeats the purpose if it's like a forced thing like it is with that you know you kind of just rewriting them while they're sitting there in, in prison rewriting their who they are i guess mm-hmm. yeah. um it's an interesting concept i can't ever see it legally being a thing if we did ever have the technology to do that um i don't think that's actually rehabilitation it's kind of just erasing and changing someone but um i don't know well it's interesting to me i mean like just the whole idea of that right most of the time in science fiction we see the whole cryogenic freezing thing as uh usually a like a positive right like most of the time they're doing it because it's oh well we're gonna go explore some new planet and it's light years away so we have to go into cryostasis on our generation ship or we have to do this and it's a way to preserve life right for some sort of positive end exploration Mm -hmm. or, or or doing something that has kind of this noble cause or whatever but i think it's interesting when it's like thrown into the um the the trope of like a negative so i mean in in one way i guess you could say like like star wars right because that's kind of the ultimate uh the carbonite thing and then you've got um Mm. this where to me it's like i know the the whole death penalty thing is obviously a very hot button issue in the the you know prison system just in general but like just kill them at that point like you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. spending all these resources on freezing these criminals and doing all this sort of stuff and like like to Colin's point, you're, you're changing the person. Uh, well, at least in this scenario, right? They have the ability to do this mental conditioning and kind of like do this mental slideshow for the 40 years that this person's frozen. Like doesn't really make sense. I think as a, like a tool of rehabilitation to me, it just seems almost kind of more torturous <laughs> in, in some way, shape or form. So, um, and obviously it's a hypothetical thing. So who knows the science behind it? They drop the little Mentos ball in there and then it freezes them for, <laughs> you know, it's like the little, the little thing and yeah. the little, uh, I, the tube. I was or whatever. getting some, some Mr. Freeze energy. Yeah, yeah totally. Batman. Absolutely. This is about the same time. No, let's say, well, Batman forever came out around this time. If you think about it too, like in Sylvester Stallone, it's, it, it made me laugh. I marked it down cause it was kind of a throwaway comment, but if you think about the implications of it, there's no way it would be a throwaway comment. And he's like, yeah, I sit there for 30 years and see my wife tapping on the glass and you know, all this other shit. And no, I was, I was conscious and I was cognizant and I was awake. That, uh, that would fuck you up. You would not come out of there and say, oh, yeah, I need a smoke. Or, you know, where's the shitter or whatever. If you were actually conscious for 30 years, frozen, and you couldn't move and whatever, like, you'd get out of there and you'd have all sorts of cognitive and mental, you know, struggles. <laughs> yeah. PTSD and I'm sure all sorts of stuff. So uh, but the not, fact that... Not John Spartan. Well, that's true. Nope. He is John Spartan. But yeah, so I, I mean, obviously, they're not going to touch on that in this movie. It's it's much too lighthearted for that. But I just thought that was kind of funny, too, is like the the internal logic with uh, with kind of this system they created. But it, it was interesting, you know, the, the idea of doing that, like, oh, well, this person is a danger to society in current era here and we're not going to kill him. Although for me, like I would think in our modern criminal justice system, not passing judgment, not saying it's right or wrong or the other thing, but he probably, uh, Simon uh, Phoenix or whatever, uh, would have probably gotten the death penalty, I would imagine, or something like that for not, not in LA for killing. Uh, oh yeah, you're right. Yeah. Ne- never in LA. Only, only in LA could there exist such a hellscape that was the 19, uh, the, this movie's 1996 and such a hellscape utopia that was this movie's 2030, whatever, 2034. Yeah. So I, I just, I thought it was kind of interesting. Um, this like the whole process to the, the goo that flash freezes and then that mm-hmm. really creative camera work that never shows Sylvester Stallone's junk 
it just kind of <laughs> yeah. dances around yeah. it. And then that whole credit scene too, where it's like, uh, um, they show like, you know, him frozen in stasis just felt, felt like it went on forever, man. <laughs> This is like 10 minutes of just Sylvester Stallone again. I know, non-visual medium, sorry. Just going around yep. his body and you're just like, you gotta know. They, they wanted the audience to know, this guy's fucking frozen. Isn't that weird? <laughs> yeah. It's probably Stallone's idea. Yeah. Uh, so uh, uh, just focus, yeah. you know. Yeah, man, hey, really, make sure you get really uh, shots, good, good shots in my ass, you know. Yeah. 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 My, yeah. my ass is yeah. the number one Don't show my PP, though. Don't show my PP. No PP. I'm self-conscious. Didn't he do porn? What? I don't know. I'm pretty sure he was doing, like, back in the 70s to to film Rocky. Maybe. Caroline confirmed he did porn oh, called the There you go. She's, she's got it in the collection. Mm -hmm. huh? She knew. Ah, okay. Yeah, he, he did. He did. Uh, he did porn. So, well, there you go. So he's probably okay with his PP. In fact, he was probably fighting for his PP to be shown. <laughs> and the Italian Marco, you know, that's what they call me the demolition like, man. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the entire time he was hey. just like, hey, Sylvester, no, I cannot yeah. show the people on the, the film. The studio, they will not like. It's a bad. <laughs> hey, this movie's gonna get an X rating. Oh, I'm locking. <laughs> hey, Wesley, Mr. Stipes said uh, he will not do the movie if we show the people. All right, Sylvester, I tell you one more time. No pee No pee <laughs> Got you up, We pee -pee. can't do the pee okay? I tell you this. We can't do the pee <laughs> I tell you once, I tell you twice. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh my god. Think about oh. the movie that could have been though. Think about if the R rating the R rating <laughs> in, in nineteen ninety three. Okay, we cannot show the yeah. PP right now. Just give HBO like twenty more years. <laughs> yeah, holy shit. That's bad. That's horrible. Um but anyway, so yeah. This <laughs> is uh, horrible. Cry cryo freezing. Um I did like the way that the trope was used in this, though. I thought that uh, it, it was it was interesting, kind of set everything in motion. I thought it was, um, I, I kind of read this, too. I think it was an IMDb blurb or something like that, that the initial draft of this did not have the uh, like cold open in 1996. It, it just started right in the future. And to me, that's insane. Oh, that's <laughs> like, yeah, how could you even awful. do that? You know, like, but that I guess that was the original draft of this did not have any of that and it was added yeah um you wouldn't even know what's going on well yeah you kind of have to show the you know the the status uh, quo so, here here's the thing <laughs> that intro when they're in or they're in the helicopter and by the way the pilot is uh, one of the fbi agents from the first die hard that was because oh. the last the last time we saw this guy he was in a helicopter so i thought it was really funny um we're just Imagine like him being jumping out of the helicopter, helicopter with <laughs> fucking rope like tied to him and just the bounce and he's just blasting people. That's how I go to work every morning, Colin. That's how I go to work every morning. It's not even a bungee cord. It's just a rope. It's like a nautical rope. Yeah. <laughs> There's no slack in it at all. So it's, if I time that wrong, I break every bone in my body. Like <laughs> the movie itself is ridiculous, but I think they were actively trying to make that intro scene so stupid and ridiculous on purpose oh yeah when when the camera pans back and all of a sudden it's like Sylvester Stallone standing in like a 50 by 50 pool of gasoline <laughs> that that always got me too because it's like oh yeah he's ultimate macho man he's like so competent it's crazy right and then it's like yep. you got Wesley can't even smell gasoline yeah, Wesley Snipes <laughs> is standing there he's just punctured 50 barrels of gasoline with a giant which, bowie knife he's smoking which, a cigarette with a blowtorch knife <laughs> and he like stabs those things and, he, and then they, they do a shot of him putting the knife back where he found it it's like why did we have to yeah. show that and it's completely dry and perfect and I'm then like, it's Sylvester yeah. Stallone just standing there he's like oh you got me <laughs> like he's standing in this literally like it's a pool of gasoline <laughs> mm -hmm. like that's what i do whenever i'm brushing a building and doing some tactical operation i always run to whatever flammable liquid is pooling in the center of the room and stand there <laughs> right. like he couldn't smell the fucking gas <laughs> that's a lot of gasoline you're smelling that yeah i'm just saying yeah that's not like yeah, a little that, bit of gasoline that's not oh, like you yeah. use your use that in your lawnmower that's like we're talking you know 
You fuel your jet airplane with In that. today's money, that, that was probably a million dollars worth of gasoline on the ground. Oh, my God. If you think about it. So, it's kind of... Um, kind of going back to more of the sci-fi things, I want to talk about like this imagined future. Uh, I always love it when people try to show what the future is going to look like. So there's obviously Star Trek always leans towards that utopian future. Disease is gone. Poverty is gone. And like all this stuff. And uh, we're just focused on exploring space and the stars and trying to better mm-hmm. humanity and all that. And that's just bright and beautiful. And it comes with its own flaws. But uh, you always love to see that. And on the other hand, you get like the the uh, the cyberpunks or the um, uh, Blade Runners or even like Altered Carbon, where we just have this disgusting consumer. Like it's our society ramped up to like times a hundred with all the consumerism going on and um, the uh, you know the difference in wealth between the super rich and then like the vast majority of the population is kind of just poor and scraping by. A uh, very realistic, probably approach to the future. Um, this one was kind of, kind of cool too, and it showed like this utopian future where they are getting rid of all these. Uh, the, the level that they were getting rid, they got rid of what meat, uh, salt. Yeah, meat, uh, everything's salt, illegal sex. if it's bad for yeah. you. Swearing. No, if it's not good for you, it's determined to be bad for you, and if it's bad for mm-hmm. you, it's illegal. That was like their right. line of reasoning. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I just wanted. Your guys' take on what you thought of like this future. Something's had me laughing, like when <laughs> when Wesley Snipes is beating up people, <laughs> and I, I think it was uh, Schneider. Rob Schneider just goes, "This guy's so violent. We're police officers. We're not trained to deal with this." Or something <laughs> yeah, like that. yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. well, that was that was kind of my other big bullet point here, and it's kind of interesting um, whether or not anyone will ever hear it. Uh, our previous podcast was Dread, right? And uh, yeah. that was, I think, part of what sparked this. And uh, I know that, to me, it was a really interesting dichotomy watching Demolition Man after watching Dread, uh, the remake Dread, uh, or not remake, sorry. Whoa, whoa, say it, sorry. 2012 Dread. Uh, it was really interesting because there's these, like, competing views of, like... I don't want to say law enforcement, but kind of the role of the that hyper competent macho man. And, and and what I mean by that is here you have this future, which it, for all sen- intents and purposes is this kind of utopian, at least on paper sort of thing. Right. It's uh, uh, seemingly peaceful for the most part. I think a lot of the characters, especially Sandra Bullock's character in the beginning is kind of joking that like, oh, you know. Uh, uh, what like let well let me drive the car and oh is there no crime going on or there's nothing going on I'm bored you know like it's said many mm-hmm. a time like oh, I'm bored you know and and I it's interesting like we look at it through the lens of our current world and there's all sorts of horrible things going on on a daily basis we just came out of probably the the worst two years uh, of you know my life certainly just for personal reasons everything else like that but look at all the things going on in the world and it's just um it's it's sad you know the state of affairs so it's interesting like to to see that and it was kind of almost like you're taking it back like wow you know that that would be great but then at the same time the movie is kind of positing this um this i guess hypothesis or throwing out there that you you can't really have a utopia like this because if you did and everyone kind of becomes, and I'm air quoting right now, you guys can see it. And I know non-visual medium again, sorry, listeners, but sorry, mm-hmm. sci-fi nation. But yeah, you, you just say quote unquote, <laughs> quote unquote. Yeah. Um, that you, we can't let ourselves get truly soft. You know, we can't let ourselves buy into this idea of utopia um, or go too far in that direction because then what happens when there's a threat, you know, or what happens when that is shaken some way. Right. Mm -hmm. And obviously it's a big conceit of this movie is that this criminal from the past kind of comes to the fore and and is now uh, a player in this new world. Right. And no one is prepared for it. And I was like, what what do we do? Oh, you know, and he takes on 20 guys or whatever and blows up cars and does all this stuff. And it's like, uh, it's not even that he's necessarily that like, crazy or capable or whatever um so 
it was just kind of interesting to me because even comparing our previous conversation, which again, hopefully our listeners will hear at some point of dread, uh, just kind of the, the theories of policing and the theories of society and kind of how a society regulates itself, what's important in terms of that, you know, in terms of law and in terms of force and the show of force or the use of force. I think it, it, that that was what really struck me is that it it actually kind of pondered some pretty serious questions and some pretty relevant questions to our current um, political state of things, I guess, or even just like the state of the mm-hmm. world. So I was I was really surprised that it went there and, and it, it seemed to kind of throw those uh, ideas out there uh, as as openly as it did. But that being said, I, I think it's interesting and what I would pose to you boys is uh, whether that message has aged well or um you know wh- where we think it it goes yeah. in in 2022 so let me yeah i, I guess i kind of want to point out another science fiction property one we covered uh quite a while ago um i don't know if you guys remember equilibrium oh yes um it's it's kind of a similar concept of creating this perfect utopia but with the way that they kind of show uh you're just getting rid of um things that cause people to be bad in a sense and this one it's almost like satirical you know we're getting rid of meat we're getting rid of salt mm-hmm. but you know in in uh, equilibrium we're getting rid of literature we're getting rid of art just basically anything that makes people feel let's just get rid of it because when people feel they do bad things um I, I don't know um are you guys familiar with the concept of utopia at all um but uh what's his name is it Aldous Huxley. Who came up with Utopia? Max Tommy Payne. Utopia. <laughs> uh, Thomas Paine. Was it Thomas Paine? Uh, maybe. I think it was. No, it's Thomas More. God. Oh, Thomas More Thomas came Payne's up with it like in the, the, what, the 16th century or something like that. Uh, but like his entire idea came down to human beings are inherently evil. And so to have a Utopia you basically have to turn that into like take away their freedom is what it is. Mm-hmm. That's that's at the end of the day, that's what a utopia is. Everyone's freedom is taken away so they can't do bad things. Yeah. Um, and I guess that's kind of what this whole idea here is, is all those things that people could do that those choices that they can have, you're taking away those choices. They don't get to eat the meat. They don't mm-hmm. get the salt. Or if we look at the idea yeah. of um, equilibrium, they don't, get to experience all the beautiful things in life you know yep um so i don't know that's i don't No, you're right on the money um i i kind of want to respond to two of the two of the things um colin in your case um there's a quote uh i can't remember who said it but i'm sure somebody will uh look it up but it i think it was actually benjamin franklin but um those who would sacrifice uh liberty for safety deserve neither so, I mean, yes, you, you live in this world, you know, let's just say, you know, Simon Phoenix was never, you know, unthawed. You live in this world and you, you know, you've got no freedom, but you know, how, how do you really, how do you really feel? And then obviously you've got the, uh, the dissenters, the Dennis Leary, uh, you know, trying to come at you. It literally wrote down Dennis Leary is the libertarian of all libertarians. <laughs> <laughs> there's a very, there's a very, uh, there's an extremely uh right wing viewing uh modern right wing viewing to this movie i wouldn't even call um, it right wing right wing libertarian se. you know uh, and well and 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 to um kind of um well and i i'll respond to jason you know i mean i i feel like almost like the message of this we we aged into the message um of this movie uh i had another quote uh that i it is escaping me right now but i'm sure i'll remember it either while the move, while the while the podcast is ending, or after we have already finished, um, but uh, I mean, no, I mean it, it's. I, I feel like there's a pretty, you know, even if you don't want to say full right wing, there's an extremely libertarian viewing of this. You know, I mean, Sylvester Stallone is the, you know, libertarian ideal in this movie. Essentially, yes, and. Uh, before we get off the co- topic of Dennis Leary, I just want to say he wrote all of his rants. He basically wrote all his lines. No shit. Yeah. 
And you can tell, the way that he was delivering, it's like, that's all Dennis Leary, 100%. Yeah, I, uh, I, I, that's kind of the thing, you know, I mean, like that whole idea of utopia, I think in, in really any sort of fiction or science fiction, you know, typically the, the idea there is that there's some sort of sacrifice in any of those societies where, um, it's even surface level seems like a quote unquote utopia or like the society at large has kind of figured things out. There's always some sort of, uh, there's always some sort of caveat, you know, I always think of, and, and I'm, I've been sitting here the last five minutes while you guys have been talking back and forth, trying to remember the name of the story. It's not the lottery, but there was another one. And, and I always forget it's uh, you know, the society is, is, is perfect and things are great. And uh, there's all these people enjoying these things, but in order to achieve that, there's that one kid that's like locked in the, the dark room that's starved I can't remember what it is, but it's it's a classic. It's one of those mm. literature classics you read. The, the Giver? No, no, it's like a short story. I'm trying to remember what oh, it okay. is. I'll 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 have to look mm. it up because I didn't think about it or prepare it before we started talking mm. here. But it, it's it's kind of that age old thing, right? That's that's in and of itself a trope of utopian fiction is that there's always some sort of caveat. There's always something we give up. So if you have a utopia, but the utopia is achieved by limiting something for people or limiting choice or or you know not giving people that um i guess freedom to engage in those bad things or that things that would make them bad that's the thing it's not a choice anymore right if it's a choice to do the right thing or do the wrong thing i think the sign of like a real evolved humanity or human condition would be that you have the choice between right or wrong and you're going to choose right because your ethics and your moral compass has evolved to that point where that makes sense but, it, you know, you have the choice to choose that evil thing, too, or that wrong thing or to, to, to kind of go down that path. So when those things are limited, like uh, I think the, the Colin example there of equilibrium uh, via uh, artificial means, you know, they're given the serum mm -hmm. and you're given the pill or whatever to kind of limit your emotions or um, things are outlawed in a society. Um, you're going to fine you a dollar for saying a swear word <laughs> or whatever, which is used mm -hmm. the comedic effect mm -hmm. here. I think what... Uh, instead of using the seashells sylvester stallone just says a bunch of fucks in a row and then well gets i love that they never <laughs> they never gave up on that like every time a swear word was said no yeah. um you just hear somewhere in the background yeah the beep i'm getting yep, charged yeah, yeah so that was cool yeah. that was really that was consistent well, yeah, with the lore well, only, you know not, not only that but it was contextual because when they're underground that you don't hear it yeah when you're when you're in a place where you wouldn't hear it you don't hear it right yep yeah. I, think the, I did remember my other quote, though, really quick. Go ahead. It's better to be a warrior in a garden than a guard uh, than be a gardener in a war. Yeah, is that another founding father? Mm, I don't know. I think that's probably that a, was um, Benjamin Washington. That's <laughs> probably yeah, a, yeah, that's probably a, ben, old Benny, old Ben Washington. That's no, probably a, I think it's probably an Asian proverb, which. We got to talk about the Asian-inspired wardrobe, okay? I got to get some of those pants that Sylvester Stallone was wearing. Oh, yeah. Which I, ones? Because at one point he was wearing, like, the fascist, like, military-type uh, pants, and then... No, well, I mean, I mean, like, when he... So, like, when Sandra Bullock rejects him and he walks out, I'm like, those pants are great. His wardrobe was like, sweet. Those, like, pseudo-rat pants. He had yeah, the pants great, up, like, literally look. up to his nipples. They were, like, up, up yeah. to here, you know? The waist was up there. That was awesome. And then the, the one dude, uh... Um, yeah. The, the doctor or whatever is wearing the uh like the jedi robes for the whole thing yeah. I, I thought that was hilarious too but um yeah. uh yeah it's actually bruce lee that said the guardian uh the warrior in the garden thing well there was bruce a, lee oh bruce lee mm. so i guess it bruce? is an asian proverb then yeah technically if we want to get technical there yeah um and uh, and you know, I yeah, do. I was just going to say to like, I, I really agree with that, Miller. I think that is not that I necessarily agree with the proverb. I'm not going that far, but I agree with that. that that's a big part of the thesis of this movie, because that's the yeah. thing is, you you know, the movie saying that no matter how good um, things get or, or whatever you're trying to achieve, whatever societal ends, social mm -hmm. ends you're trying to achieve with. um getting to this like quote unquote utopia or utopian state 
everyone was pretty much a bumbling b- buffoon, you know, they're, they're all like goofy and it's just like uh, silly kind of seen through the lens of these hyper competent um, warriors in the garden. Right. Because <laughs> because that's that's Sylvester yeah. Stallone. That's his character. He's this no nonsense, no bullshit, very competent um, individual. And that's what was needed. You know, they were never going to get out of this scenario of uh, Simon Phoenix without this like brutal violent um kind of know-how um i guess that comes from the experiences that sylvester stallone had but in a lot of ways i think embody a lot of the more negative aspects of certainly that era in society especially if you look historically what was going on around 92 93 especially in california Mm -hmm. and a lot of uh upheaval and and unrest and obviously that's only gone on to i think in a lot of ways uh we're still dealing with issues that were at the at the four back then right we haven't really moved on a lot of those things um or at least that's, in significant ways that's, no it's kind of what happens to our society in a way though right they, these things pop to the surface they're always just under the surface and they pop up and there is you know unrest and uh people start talking about these things and then it kind of just goes away it goes back beneath the surface again um until it boils back over so and our, mm-hmm. our society will I feel like forever deal with it, unfortunately. But. Well, it's like the whole concept, too, of uh, when they're in the museum, you know, the Hall of Violence. Yeah. I thought that was brilliant. The Diablo yeah, font. and the Diablo font. <laughs> I thought, honestly, that was yeah. a brilliant set piece because it really hammered home everything we've been talking about. Like, you think about that, like, if a society, whether deserve it or not, in the future, say we solve most of the crises or most of the problems and, uh, that we're currently facing and a hundred years from now, someone has a museum exhibit in a history museum to the era that we kind of lived through our formative years, you know, the, the nineties, the early two thousands, whatever. And, um, it's the hall of violence or bar- the hall of barbarism, you know, and, and that's seen mm-hmm. what we kind of grew up and, and lived through and experienced or whatever. What's normal for us becomes uh that view of like ultimate <laughs> ultimate violence or or this uh you know un unwashed uncivilized people right just really interesting and i mean it's just there it's a set piece but if you kind of look through the the context or, or the connotations of that i guess uh, a little bit deeper and engage with it it's it's interesting you know and, and kind of cool for such a mainstream big kind of on the surface level dumb movie <laughs> that they're uh they're going there yeah that's the thing is the vast majority of these the things you're bringing up are, are going to be lost on the people that watch this movie um it's probably just didn't reach the right audience um but I, I always like it when filmmakers do take the time to kind of put those things in there um i guarantee you the whole a lot of the stuff we're talking about wasn't put in there during the rewrites that I probably believe that stuff was held over from the original script. Um, and then they just put it on the funny poo poo ha ha's later on. <laughs> so some of, some of the, the satire was just like, God, stop. But, uh, hmm. well, I did not think we'd talk about this movie at this level. Oh yeah, well, yeah, I mean, oh come on, we're the yeah. sci-fi yeah, boys. True. We find we find the good in everything. I yeah, guess. gotta try sci-fi to. Nation, sci-fi nation depends. The on sci-fi us. nation the needs sci-fi us. Nation. Yeah, I, and that's that's kind of the thing for me is like um, talking about some of that silliness, Colin. Like, I don't know if you guys noticed it, and Miller, maybe this is one for you. Maybe you picked up on this a little bit more, but it, I've noticed it in a few different movies over the years or, or different properties we've done. But like the the like audio editing or like the lip sync or something like there's a lot of like weird like out of sync shit going on like when the warden was talking in the beginning mm-hmm. like it just it wasn't right you know I, I don't know if yeah. that's like they do shit in post-production or if that's like overdubs or what it yeah. is but like he's sitting there yeah. and he's like so <laughs> so so that's that's what's called in uh in the audio world or i guess you know audio video world uh adr which is, uh, stands for additional dialogue recorded mm-hmm. okay and a lot of the times, a lot of the times they'll do 
what I almost feel is even more jarring is when the character is faced away from the camera and it does it like it's like clearly like okay well like after principal shooting is done like during the editing it's like hey we need you to come in here and exposition exposition the shit out of us for like three lines and so they'll bring him in he'll record he'll record the dialogue in a booth at a mic and it'll sound completely different from like the dialogue of the actual movie so it'll be like this canned audio where he's just talking flatly and then it'll go back to him like in the movie, like in the next scene. Yes. Yeah, totally. Um, it, it's also really, it's also really jarring when they, you know, obviously it's jarring when they, like, you know, try to lip sync and it just doesn't work. Yeah. I, I, I like picked up on a lot of that or it was just like, it was weird. Mm-hmm. There was definitely that, but then also the, like the, the cuts on a lot of things were just very um, mm-hmm. kind of like fast and, and goofy. And in some, some ways, like to me, and I know it's it's the era, right? And and a lot of it is production and how things were done back then. But like, it almost kind of cheapens the look of things in some ways. Um, that was kind of funny. There's definitely some of that going um, on. Uh, if you yeah. notice, a lot of the ADR was bad for Wesley Snipes, and that's because he just kind of ad libbed most of the time on set mm. during his scenes, and so he's probably I like just. That doing stuff off book, doing whatever he wanted to do off script. And uh, they go ahead. Like, all right, we didn't hear what you said there. So you have to ADR. He does probably something completely different than what he actually did in the scene or something. So a lot of his stuff. Simon says. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You bastard. Yeah. So that was kind of funny, but, um, but it was like weird because I think if it was a movie that didn't have as much cheese, like willful Mm -hmm. cheese as this movie does, or it wasn't like this type of movie, it'd be one thing. But the fact that the movie leans into the, that so hard and then you have that kind of production side goofiness uh, just gave it this whole air that was just like silly. And um, I don't know, I didn't um, I didn't remember it that way. And again, Same. I haven't watched it in a long time, but I didn't remember it as this like silly, kitschy satirical thing i think for whatever reason i always likened it very much to the 95 judge dread which you know it's got some kind of light-hearted moments in there and some silly stuff but not anywhere near this it's it's a lot more kind of serious uh which is funny mm-hmm. right because that's it's not remembered like that but it's it's a lot more serious uh for having a very similar aesthetic um but yeah, this was like very, like I said, I, I go back to like Paul Verhoeven, like Starship Troopers, RoboCop. Like there's a lot of that <laughs> kind of like goofy, kitschy satire thing going on mixed with the silliness yeah, we've I, been talking about. I mean, I argue that Paul Verhoeven's stuff was well thought out. Oh, I yeah. Mean, I'm not saying in terms of quality. I think Paul Verhoeven is, you know, the the, the superior satirist uh, in, in terms of that. But just kind of uh, along those lines, it just reminded me of it. Yeah. Like it was it was a similar trajectory. But I think Paul Verhoeven's uh, properties, especially the ones we've covered here, kind of go that one one or thousand steps beyond <laughs> what this was doing, you yeah. know, as far as effectiveness. Yeah. Jesus. The, um... Oh, I had one more note. It doesn't really fit anywhere, but I just wrote Cutlass 442. I don't know why I thought that whole thing was fucking ridiculous <laughs> when they just <laughs> pop out of the fucking floor. Yeah. <laughs> In the Cutlass and just go speeding up. Oh, God. Yep. There's a couple scenes like that where I just thought it was completely unnecessary, but that's what they were going for. <sighs> yeah. Hell yeah. You gotta be okay with it. You have to. Um, all right, fellas. Well, does anybody have anything else, or do you want to go around the table? No, I think it now is a good time. I think we're good. Yeah, yeah. Table. Oh, I love the idea that there was a uh, a war between the various fast food chains. Oh God, yeah. Did you know that Taco Bell actually changed their logo um, to correspond with the Taco Bell logo from this movie? That's amazing. Um, they yeah. originally wanted Burger King to be the uh, the fast food chain that won. Yeah. Um, but they, but it was unbelievable. They didn't, they didn't want to do it, and McDonald's wasn't oh. interested. Taco Bell was like, "Fuck yeah, let's go!" <laughs> so hell yeah. So they probably sold more you know burritos and chalupas that year than anything. You know what's funny? Taco Bell is 
far superior to the other two to, uh, to this day. Burger King is like dying, and McDonald's just sucks. So yeah, it's because they I haven't, I haven't eaten Burger King. They in They got 20 the years. Demolition Man bump. It's funny mm-hmm. too because Taco mm-hmm. Bell they changed their uh, their their catchphrase as well as their logo. It's Kill Moss. hell yeah that's perfect um nice that's good uh okay all right boys let's let's take it around the table then yeah 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 all right jason we'll start with you yeah uh i thought that demolition man is uh it's a solid movie you know it's definitely entertaining two hours uh in terms of sci-fi one of those where there's not a lot going on surface level, but if you kind of dig a little deeper, I mean, we just talked for an hour about it, you know, and, and it was kind of mm. refreshingly for the sci-fi nation, uh, a pretty like, I would say in-depth discussion of a lot of actual sci-fi topics, uh, which, you know, yeah. some of the properties lately, we haven't really gone, uh, too in-depth with the sci-fi-ness of it. It's been more kind of production details and our thoughts on it and everything else like that. So I think that in and of itself kind of just goes to show you that it's, it's good sci-fi. It did engage with um, kind of the, uh, the 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 main argument here. I guess it was trying to make. It did engage with a lot of those topics and kind of posit its own ideas on them, whether or not they aged well. I mean, we kind of talked about that at length, um, or what that means for society, right? Uh, it it did try to provide some sort of answer to that, or at least its thoughts on that. So I, I think it was good sci-fi as well. Um, yeah, surprised to kind of revisit this. As I said, I didn't remember it as this type of movie, but I'm glad we rewatched it. It was it was entertaining. All right. Thank you, Jason. Andrew, what do you think? I also thought it was good sci-fi. This is uh, my second ever viewing of it. Uh, I saw it once probably 10 years ago, and I liked it back then, and I liked it now. Um, it dives into like a lot of it, not really deep philosophical topics, but... Um, there's definitely a, a philosophical reading of it if you uh, if you watch and you pay attention to it, or you could just watch Sylvester Stallone act like a silly goof in uh, you know the 2030s. So good sci-fi for me. All right, um, I think I think it's just sci-fi enough for me to like it. Um, <laughs> the action sequences are cheesy and predictable. You know, it's it's. The satire is, is a little too much at times, but um, I think th- at the end of the day, the thesis of this movie is uh, really just like, don't overcorrect, all right? Mm-hmm. You go too much in the other direction, and you're just going to end up with a society that nobody wants to live in. Um, I, I think that's what the the writers were kind of going for, is like this middle of the road area. In fact, I think they say it at the end where... Uh, why don't you you and you you know you mm-hmm. clean up a lot yeah. and you know you dirty up a little bit and yeah that's that's the idea there and, and i i like that i i think that's intellectually stimulating enough to kind of just enjoy the movie uh the takeaway there so um i love this movie growing up um it definitely doesn't hold up production wise i think all all these decades later um, even though a lot of money was spent on it, uh, some things are just cheesy and lame, but, uh, at the end of the day, I still like it. So that's all that matters. Um, there you have it, folks. That is our take on the police's, uh, demolition man. Uh, so mm-hmm. if you haven't listened to the song yet, please do so. Um, but, yeah, and then look, uh, this time next year, we should be releasing our, uh, British documentary, The Demolition Man. Yeah. Um, with our uh, East London uh, crane operator. Yeah, walk out for it. It's coming uh, sooner than you think. Uh, and there's a lot of potential there for sequels. So, uh, okay. Uh, there you have it, folks. Until next time. 